This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, and as usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good morning, Wally. Good. How are you? I'm good. Great to be back. Uh, Welcome back. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, I always make an interesting comment when, when I'm away out of the country for a couple of weeks. Uh, I always, I always, I always find it something special to land on Canadian soil. Um, it's, uh, I still get a big thrill about uh, coming back home, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks out of the country always reminds me how privileged we are to live in Canada. It's a really a special place, a special corner of the world, and uh, we should never take it for granted. But uh, let's get on to sports. Uh, a couple of weeks have gone by since I've been around, and. Uh, I left uh, in certain uh, with the Jays in a certain situation, and things did not improve while I they was gone. They are sinking. So, they are sinking. So, uh, are we ready to uh, to drive the stake uh, through the heart? Uh, let's have a little recap on the Toronto Blue Jays. Things are looking pretty glum right now. I uh, any seasoned or reasoned observer would suggest that the season is lost. Is there any reason whatsoever? For optimism, Naz, and that in that this season can somehow be uh, be recovered. No, there's there isn't a chance. Sanchez has been put on the disabled list for the fourth time this year. He's uh, their best pitcher. He's had blister problems. The team looks old and slow, Wally. They look old and slow, and they're not good enough. They just aren't good enough. A couple, couple of the reports I've read is, aside from being old and slow and blister problems and uh, other issues, uh, certainly uh, from an injury perspective, uh, you know, things have been a little bit more difficult than they have been in the last couple of years. Um, but uh, a couple of reports I've read suggest that they seem the team seems dispirited. Um, yeah, they have no spark. Of, we talked there, about that last week. They have no spark. There's there's no spark to them. It's almost uh, I hate to say this because uh, um, I, I I don't like making this criticism of professional athletes that they've given up and uh, uh, and I and I won't suggest that because uh, it, it it takes something special to become a professional athlete and the spirit of competitiveness uh, is certainly at the top of the list. But uh, there's a I, let, let's use the term malaise with this team. There's uh, there, I, I, you know, the, the suggestion is that they, they just they're not they're not pulling in the same direction. Well, Wally, they're 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 getting outscored by about ten runs each every other game, and it's very disheartening to watch them play. And you know, they lose thirteen three or fourteen one or nineteen one. Who are t- there? There's some huge scores on, and they're on the wrong side of them. 
And I'll tell you what, last night I watched the TFC game and I didn't watch the Blue Jays. Yeah, you made and, that. And, and I don't think I would ever, you'd ever see me do that, but I did it. Yeah, for our listeners, I've known Naz for a long, long time. And uh, he came into the studio uh, this morning and uh, I've been away for a couple of weeks. And, you know, Naz and I, we rehashed things before the show and uh, an opportunity to catch up with each other in terms of what, uh, what what's going on. And Naz, when you, when you shocked me. And you said that uh, you were watching the TFC game rather than the Blue Jay game. And uh, that's not the Naz Marchese that no, I know. No. Um, certainly, I, I know that you're, you're a soccer fan, but, you know, you're not extremely passionate about it. I know that you're, you, you, you bleed blue and white when it comes to baseball and, and, and Blue Jays and hockey, of course. And when Naz Marchese comes into the studio on a Sunday morning and uh, I get an opportunity to catch up with him, he tells me that he watched the TFC game and not the Blue Jay game. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty illuminating in terms of the current status of the Toronto Blue Jays. It's also a, a pat on the back for TFC for that matter because yeah. they're an exciting team to watch. Um, but uh, Blue Jays, yeah, I... You know, we we all, we always try to be the eternal optimist on 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 this show, but I don't see any sense that in any way, shape, or form they they're, they're way back now and they're playing dispirited baseball. They've got injury problems. Uh, you know, Sanchez, who I consider to be their ace, um, you know, he just can't solve this blister problem this year for some reason. And there's some serious decisions that have to be made in the next week. And um, we say serious decisions. I'm trying to think about what management can do with this team. And I think they're almost caught between a rock and a hard place. I I don't see a lot of value there uh, for other teams to uh, take on and give value back or prospects or whatever back to the Blue Jays. So, you know, there's some, you know, reading some... do I want to use the word crazy um, suggestions that, you know, you package a guy like Stroman or a guy like Asuna because they do have value and you get something in return. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm thinking about that and I'm saying, where's the logic in no, that? The only, it, doesn't pay, it doesn't make any sense to get rid of your young guys. What they have to do, Donaldson has one more year on his contract. I think they have to move him. And uh, if they don't move him by the trade, trade deadline, they move him in the offseason. Because he needs to be moved to get some players in here, Stroman and Sanchez and Asuna, you young guys, you got to keep those guys. But my, my concern, but, you know, they got a problem. They got Morales, two years. Everybody, we, I even agreed at the time that it wasn't a bad signing. But you know, as it turns out, watching him play, I don't want him here for the next two years. He's just not. He's he's not it. You're talking about Morales. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ken- Kendris. Yeah. Kendris. Then you have um, Tulowitzki. He's got three more years, and I think who's going to take him? Who's going to take at, these at guys? those numbers? Exactly, these guys. Who's going to take them? The the one the one the one uh, player I would have some concerns about moving, um, and this all comes down to whatever plan Shapiro and Blue Jays management have, is you, you got to make an assessment of, you know, obviously they can't. It doesn't. You you make the assessment that you can't win with this lineup. And I think, a, you know, a reasonable observer would suggest um, that you probably can't win with this lineup, um, even if it's completely healthy. Although if you, if you, if you got a, a pitching staff that's completely healthy, 
Um, you know, if you've got Stroman and Sanchez and Hap pitching like he did last year, Estrada seems to have lost it. Um, um, maybe maybe it's a fact that uh, these pitchers come back to form the way they were before, and Estrada looks like he was he is the way he was before two years ago. He he came in for Adam Lynn in a trade, and he had those type of stats that you see right now. So maybe they come back to form, and Jay Happ may be another one. So Jay Happ, if you got to move him, you move him. Yeah, right? well, I you got to com- move. You got to move some guys. You got you got to move. I want to come back to this Blue Jays discussion. We've got a couple of minutes before we go to break, but I do want to I, I do want to let our listeners know uh, who we'll be chatting with today. Um, we're we're privileged to have uh, to be talking today to Bob Bertina. Of course, Bob is the member of Parliament for Hamilton East Stony Creek, I believe, and former mayor of the city of Hamilton, and uh, in a lot of people's minds, Mister Hamilton, uh, but. Uh, uh, we won't be talking politics because we don't talk politics on this show. We try and stay away from it because we don't want to uh, get our listeners upset at us. So we'll just <laughs> stick to sports. So we'll get enough people upset just talking about sports. We'll stay away from the politics. But Bob Bertina, of course, uh, for uh, students of uh, football and broadcasting in this country, is one, was one of the premier broadcasters in the country. Did play-by-play for the Hamilton Ticats and the Toronto Argos for, oh, 20 years uh, one of the most noted radio personalities in, in uh, southern Ontario. And uh, it's going to be a real treat to have him on the show. So we want to talk sports with Mr. Bettina as opposed to talking politics. And we'll be doing that right after our first break. And later on in the show, it's uh, it's a British Open Sunday, although I'm not supposed to call it British Open because it insults all the Why people not? over there. Because it's it's the Open Championship. Uh, call it whatever you want. It's the it is the it's one of the majors, and uh, Jordan Spieth uh, has got a three stroke lead. And interestingly enough, there's a Canadian in the hunt. That uh, he's a 20 year old, Austin Connolly. Uh, raised more so in the United States, but uh, I believe his father was Canadian, and he, he carries a Canadian passport, and he actually plays. He's chosen to represent Canada in all golf endeavors, and he's going to be teeing off in the second-last group today. So we're certainly going to keep an eye. And he's 20 years old, yeah, he's little a guy. He's a kid. He's 150 pounds. Yeah, they, they say 150 pounds, and that's pre- being pretty generous. Uh, but uh, certainly we're going to keep an eye on him. He's, uh, he's a little bit out of it, six strokes back, but uh, you never know what can happen in those conditions uh, if the weather changes. Uh, but we're going to talk to John Steinbretter. John's been a friend of the Nazawali Sports Hour in the past. Uh, John is, of course, an award-winning golf writer, uh, has written for Masters.com and Sports Illustrated, and uh, he's certainly... Uh, uh, loves the game of golf and a, and a critical uh, observer, and uh, we'll be chatting with him. Very good. And Bob Bertina, he, he did the Argos and the Ticats. That's a strange that's combination. A, that's an interesting combination. Strange combination. It, it, it certainly, I don't know how he managed uh, to, to walk that tightrope. We'll uh, have to ask him that. <laughs> but we're, uh, we're, certainly, uh, we're certainly going to... Uh, uh, chat with Bob Bertina about that. Anyways, so we're going to go to break. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with uh, Member of Parliament uh, for Hamilton East Stony Creek, Bob Bertina. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just thirteen ninety-nine for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. 
So order now and order often and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can also tune us in on 96.7 FM and on the internet, live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. It's certainly a privilege for us this morning to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, uh, Bob Bertina. Bob is, of course, the member of the, of the House of Commons in Ottawa for Hamilton East Stony Creek and a former mayor of Hamilton, and uh, also uh, one of the premier broadcasters in uh, southern Ontario for a long, long time, and a member of the Football Reporters of Canada Hall of Fame. Good morning, Bob, and welcome. Thanks so much for the nice introduction. It's just exactly the way I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, uh, first of all, thanks so much for joining us on a Sunday morning. We appreciate it. And we're going to give you a break today, Bob. Uh, We're not going to talk politics. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We don't do politics on the Naz and Wally Sports Uh, Hour, so we're going to talk some sports. And uh, uh, we we certainly want to talk about the uh, incredible career you had as a sports broadcaster in Hamilton. And in Toronto, and uh, doing uh, doing all kinds of different things in the broadcasting sphere. Uh, yeah. Of course, the one that's of the most interest to to us is, of course, your uh, sports broadcasting career. And it was certainly uh, an illustrious career. Um, do you miss it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's fun. I was on the uh, stadium field the other day for the Invictus Games. Uh, uh, commemoration, which took place before the Tiger Cat game, and and just to be in that atmosphere again and standing beside the players, uh, you know, it, it takes me back to twenty very ha- wonderful seasons that I spent uh, doing the broadcast. But I must tell you that my first broadcast with sports 
was in Guelph when I did a color commentary on the Guelph Regals hockey broadcast. They were a senior hockey team, and the year was 1966. And everybody was scouting that league because it was expansion in the NHL the next year. So uh, Dave Dryden uh, came out of that league uh, into the National Hockey League. And, but anyway, in our uh, between periods interviews, uh, Scotty and people like that were available to us because they were all checking out uh, players. Uh, then w- when I was in Sault Ste. Marie, n- another step in my broadcast career, I was with the uh, uh, the junior hockey team up there, and I remember Paul Coffey started off his career there, and of course Rocky DiPietro was uh, a Sault Ste. Marie guy as well. But, uh, it all really got into focus for me in 1981 when I began doing the Tiger Cat broadcast. Bob, how does a Hamilton guy <laughs> do the Argos and the Tiger Cat broadcast? That's an interesting point. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you didn't want to talk politics. <laughs> sports politics. We'll, we'll talk sports politics. Well, uh, CHAM radio, as it was called, was the um, the voice of the Tiger Cats, and they were not seriously intending to uh, carry on with it. They did for one year afterwards, I think, and then uh, it reverted back to CHML. So, but I, I could read the tea leaves and see that there wasn't going to be a long uh, football broadcast career for me because it would probably go back to Purse Allen, the legendary sports voice at CHML, who was still there at the time. And I was offered a job to work as the Argo play-by-play broadcaster, as well as do a show with Wally Crowder, Betty Kennedy, Gordon Sinkler, Earl Warren, you know, a, a really outstanding uh, group of broadcasters. And Bill I know Stevenson. many of your, uh, Stevenson. people will remember. So I couldn't really turn that down. And how did, uh, all kidding aside, uh, was there a certain, uh, how did that go over in Hamilton? Very it, poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny because uh, when I came back to Hamilton, David Braley uh, was the owner of the Tiger Cats. And so the suggestion was that I do the broadcast. And we became great friends, by the way. But he, like, who needs this guy from Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I went back and I did the Argos in 97, 98. And somebody there said, well, who needs this guy from Hamilton? But I had, you know, reasonable resume. So... I got through all of that, but oh, even on Bob Young, uh, when I came back, when Bob took over the uh, uh, the football team, he said, "Like, who needs this guy from Toronto?" And because uh, Bob didn't know me from Adam, you know, he lives in the states uh, most of the time, and I think his brother was kind of egging him on, like, you know. But it all worked out. We're talking to Bob Bertina, of course, former Mayor of Hamilton, member of the House of Commons now for <laughs> Hamilton East Stony Creek. And, Bob, you've been part of the Hamilton scene for, um, I'll choose my words carefully, a mm-hmm. long, long, long time. And yeah. you've seen Hamilton uh, uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, we, uh, one, one of the, one of the uh, things we do on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour is we always take an opportunity to talk about uh, – Sports and sports histories and sports personalities from the yeah. past, and you've certainly seen, uh, yeah. and I have, I have certainly some uh, some fond. I, I want to use the word fond memories of some Hamilton Ticat teams from the nineteen sixties. They were sort of a hated bunch oh, yeah. if you were outside of Hamilton. But 
Favorite uh, favorite players uh, over over time, Hamilton Tie Cats, uh, especially maybe some of the uh, some of the older gentlemen like Garney Henley and John Barrow and Angelo and those guys. Uh, your your recollections of breaking into the into the Tie Cat scene and uh, some stories about some of the characters that you covered over the years. Yeah, so uh, to put it in a in a time context, I made a speech in the house on the passing of Bernie Custis. Of course, yeah, and and the fact that uh, he was the first black quarterback in professional football, and the fact that in 1950 he started in '51 with Hamilton, and it was so exciting that in 1952 my father got season tickets in Section 11 of the old Civic Stadium, which I remember very well. Wow, I was only eight years old, but uh, that was the beginning of this uh, fascination, and I got to be very good friends with Bernie Custis. And uh, then in the 67, uh, I was helping to MC a quarterback club. And that, of course, Tiger Cat team was the, uh, the legendary 67 team that went on to win the Great Cup. And when they announced the players of the modern era, the modern half century, on the field at one of the games that year, half of the players were in uniform. You know, the all-time wow. greatest were right there. Al Patterson, you know, uh, Don Souther, you know, you name them all. But, yep. uh, everybody you named were, were very good friends. And John Barrow uh, actually was the color commentator on my first year broadcasting when Frank Cush was the coach of the Tiger Cats. Uh, Angelo Mosca continues to be a, a great friend, and I've been to his uh, residence many times, although he's living in Hamilton in a senior's residence now. But... Uh, he had a beautiful place down on uh, on uh, Lake Ontario near uh, near Port Dalhousie, so I would go and, and, and sit there and chat with him. Garney Henley, of course. Uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, skinny with <laughs> glasses, and Garney Henley was a new guy in town, skinny with glasses. And somebody actually, I was walking down King Street. And somebody said, "Is that Garney Henley?" <laughs> it was a, that was my proudest moment ever. <laughs> Now, let me tell you, Garney Henley. I, I have a collection of, uh, of 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 some CFL cards from the yeah. '60s, and I have this beautiful Garney Henley in that number 26. Yeah, it's it's transfixed in my mind. And uh, uh, just to give you an idea of my recollections of the Tie Cats, I was a Hamilton. I was an Ottawa Rough Rider fan in the 60s, Russ Jackson, uh, Whit Tucker, and all those guys. And I always yeah. hated the Tie Cats because they used to beat up. <laughs> On Russ Jackson all the time. They, yeah. they were just they were just a bunch of mean guys. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you agree with me. Anyways, Ness. Bob, your experience in Toronto. Uh, uh, can you comment on the the way the market is in Toronto now, and compared to what it was back then? Well, I broadcast the largest regular season uh, crowd uh, in 1982. It was 52,000 people at CNE Stadium for a Hamilton-Argos game. Uh, what was the crowd last game? 12,000. Okay. Uh, but then, you know, it's interesting. The first, it took the Blue Jays uh, almost seven years to, to surpass the Argos in average game attendance. Because the Blue Jays were under 500 when they started, and they were getting like 17,000, 18,000 at CNE. And then they broke 500, and then they started getting bigger crowds. And the Argos started to uh, trail off for reasons I'll have to wait till my book <laughs> is written. But um, 
so that changed the dynamic. And so the Doug Flutie years should have been huge. And the crowds were very sparse. And I'm so pleased that Doug's going to be honored on Monday as an all-time Argo because he is a really outstanding guy. And uh, I, I learned so much and enjoyed being with him. And he, uh, sometimes quarterbacks can be a little standoffish just because they've got to keep so much uh, focus in mind, and, and especially with media, because the media is going to start saying time for to play the backup, or, you know, stuff like that. So, but Doug was never like that, and and Darren, his brother in Hamilton. So, uh, so that was sad. Uh, but the crowd started to build up again, and I think they're caught up right now in the big salaries of the Raptors the the uh, Blue Jays and uh, the, the soccer, everybody's been doing well and the Argos have been struggling. So I think winning solves a lot. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But I'll give you one interesting story. Remember Rocket Ishmael yeah. when he came to Toronto? He was the highest paid athlete, in professional athlete in Toronto. You know what the Blue Jays did? They gave one, of the, I can't remember who it was, somebody a raise so they would have the highest paid because you couldn't have the Argos having the highest paid athlete. Now it's gone crazy. I mean, it's so the, the payroll is are ridiculous, which I always point out to people, you know, who want to argue about it is a great thing about the CFL is you got guys who probably really want to play because the money's not that big and it makes more like, how do you watch a guy go oh for four and make a fielding error who made $2 million that day? <laughs> The, the tough one, but uh, I just want to follow up this uh, this yeah. conversation, Bob, because you're 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 as as keen a critical eye of CFL football as yeah. as probably anybody. Thanks. Uh, Hamilton, uh, they had some lean years um, yep. over time, and they managed to turn it around. Is yeah. there a lesson in there at all for for the Argonauts? Well, what turned Hamilton around was a new, fresh, revitalized ownership. Ownership is really a, a big part of it. And in Toronto, uh, you had a Hamilton guy, David Braley, owning the team as well as owning the BC Lions, which he still does. And I have the greatest respect for Mr. Braley. We, we speak a lot, and he's very helpful in political matters, even though he's a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's a good guy. But uh, that that was ownership was a problem. It, when Bob Young came to town, he, he, we were one in seventeen. He said, "What's the matter with you people? This is a great team. This is a great." Even bought a property in downtown Hamilton to say, "What do you think? There's nothing wrong with the downtown. You should come to Durham, North Carolina. You want to see a rough downtown." So uh, he really galvanized the public around him, and of course, he was very wealthy, and so it looked like although he wasn't going to throw money ridiculously, that uh, the, the hard money days of Grant McDonald, you know, in the, in the early mid-90s, uh, were gone. So uh, the Argos need to have uh, the, the leadership at the ownership level that's prominent and that reflects uh, how people uh, think and feel about the city because there was a disconnect there. There is definitely a stability, not anymore, but there was a stability problem in Hamilton and in Toronto, and yeah. uh, that needs to be corrected for sure. Yeah. Now, it's what cyclical is it, in the league. Bob, what is your... Every 10 years. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Bob, what is your favorite uh, moment with uh, in conjunction with the Grey Cup, the Hamilton Grey Cup? Well, that would be uh, the the Eastern semifinal of 1986, 
the Grey Cups, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I, a Grey Cup for Hamilton, 1953, 1957, 58, 59, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 67, 72. Like we, we assumed we were going to be a Grey Cup. That's why we hated That's why we hated you so much. Well, especially 67, because <laughs> that was Ottawa was going to have the Grey oh. Cup in Ottawa and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, Cats beat him in the in the Eastern Final. That was terrible. Joe Zuger, I remember Joe Zuger. Anyways, yeah, you know what Angelo Mosca said uh, when uh, he said we'd often play Ottawa in the Eastern Semifinal, and the Americans would come with uh, with their, their uh, U-Hauls. <laughs> they were leaving from Hamilton. <laughs> Anyways, you're you're talking about the '86 Great Cup. Why it was special? Uh, yeah, that was the Eastern. The final, uh, we the Cats went on to win the, the. They just annihilated Edmonton, but it was a two-game total point Eastern semi uh, Eastern final, and the Cats were down 18 points going into uh, CNE Stadium, and the Argos scored first, so they were down 25 points. The final score on the two-game total point was 56 to 53 for Hamilton. It wasn't one of the most craziest, amazing games. And Scott Cawley was uh, one of the receivers for Hamilton, whose son was playing for the Colts. Because Scott was here, and his son was born in Hamilton. Uh, and so he has this American citizen, but born in Hamilton, Ontario, which I always think is cute. But it was just um, the stadium was packed. The tension was enormous, especially as the Cats slowly came back through the game, even down being down by 25 early on. And so I'll never forget that game. Uh, and we went to – I was actually doing the Argo broadcast. And the, the, one of the things I'll never forget was Bob Obilovich had a, a victory party planned at his house, and we'd all be going off to the Grey Cup next week. And he is such a good person – You'd never know they lost. <laughs> he, he said, you know, uh, it was this and that and the other thing, and there were several uh, reasons. That was the final game in Canadian football of J.C. Watts, who was the quarterback, along with Conridge Holloway, yeah. of the Argos. And he went on. He was There was talk that he might be the first black presidential yeah. candidate uh, at one time. He was quite a powerful uh, American politician. So those, that 86 moment is, is really uh, one of the greatest Although I could give you, I have to tell you one more. And Please, that was the Labor absolutely. Day game in 1991. Tiger Cats are 0-8. Argos are going to the Grey Cup. Uh, Hamilton beats, uh, they, they fire their coach, Dave Beckman. John Gregory only shows up Saturday before the, the Monday game. They lose their two American running backs, Herman Hurd and Martin Sarton. And so they have to have uh, Ernie Schreemeyer and Lee Knight in the backfield. They beat the Argos something like 48 to 24. <laughs> and I said to uh, Gregory after the game, well, I guess you got your backfield now because Lee Knight just trampled all over the Argonauts. And uh, he said, yep, and when we get our uh, starters back, it'll be even better. They lost the next five games. That really bugged me because here were Canadians just, you know, playing it to the hilt. And even by their success, they still weren't able to uh, 
earned starting spots. So that was another game I, I, I'll never forget. Bob, was 86 uh, the year that Harold Ballard owned the team, or was that afterwards? Uh, or before? That was, uh, yeah, Harold Ballard owned the team. He owned the team in the Tiger Cats. Because I remember that uh, quite a, a very interesting Ballard goes to Hamilton and, Tor- and he owns the lease. That's, uh, and Bertina comes to Toronto. Toronto. Anyways, well, Bob, we just have a few minutes left, and we okay. really want to thank you so much for joining us. But there's one debate. Uh, we got to take advantage of your expertise this morning. I, w- I want to settle this one once and for all, for all time. Yeah. 1963 Grey Cup. Yeah. It was Hamilton in the BC Lions. Yeah. Mosca, Willie Fleming. Was yeah. it a clean hit or was it a dirty hit? Well, there was no penalty call in the play. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously a Hamilton fan. <laughs> You're obviously a Hamilton fan and insensitive to all things British Columbia. Uh, anyways, well, that's a, we could get into a lengthy story about that, but there was no penalty call in the play. It looked to me, if you watch the film over and over again, that uh, Angelo was actually in the air when the tackle was made. And as he went over Fleming, it looked like his knee accidentally caught his head. <laughs> yeah. And talking about Angelo, we, 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 a few years back, we had Angelo on the show a couple of times, yeah. and we know that he's had his, uh, he's had his challenges. How's he doing? He's doing great. He was uh, at the last uh, football game. Uh, he has a little bit of in and out with issues, but I know uh, he was at the funeral for Bernie Custis, and he was the life of the party, telling stories and re- remembering everybody. And fantastic. So it's yeah, it's kind of interesting uh, where uh, how that's playing out in health wise. But he he looks great. Anyways, we've been talking to Bob Bertina. Bob is, of course, now the member of the House of Commons for Hamilton East and Stony Creek and former mayor of the city of Hamilton. But even more importantly for the Nazawali Sports Hour, he's one of the premier sports broadcasters in southern Ontario uh, and was for a great, great, great many years. And certainly it was always a pleasure listening to you, Bob, and it was certainly a distinct pleasure to chat with you this morning and uh, about some really, really fun things to talk about. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks so much. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. That, of course, was uh, Bob Bertina. And uh, you know what? Harold Ballard. That that does bring back some uh, some great memories of uh, some great times when the CFL was in its heyday. We've got to go to break. Before we go to break, I just want to announce um, sometime in the next 20 minutes, we're going to have a call-in contest. Um, It's that time of year. The Rogers Cup is coming to Toronto. Uh, It's the women this year. And our good friends at Pizzaville, are, uh, who uh, graciously donated some uh, ticket packages for us, so will be giving away two ticket packages today, one for the Monday, August the 7th day session, and one for the August the 7th Monday evening session. So listen in over the course of the next 15 minutes. We'll be giving away those numbers. First two callers that call in when we announce the numbers will win those ticket packages. They're great tickets. Includes a parking pass, and uh, the world's best women's tennis players will be descending on Toronto very, very shortly. And it's the women that are playing this year. It's the women this year. The men are in Montreal. And uh, we'll be right back after the break. We'll be talking to John Steinbreder about the Open Championship. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. 
And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer, and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Patesville at 736-3636 or visit patesville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And uh, as I announced just before the break, uh, hang on. In a few minutes, we'll be giving away the numbers you can call in. We've got two packages to the Rogers Cup Tennis. We'll be giving away this morning, first two callers. And we'll be announcing those numbers shortly. The women are in town this year, the best women tennis players in the world. And we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to call in and win some packages for that tournament. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, John Steinbretter. John is, of course, one of the preeminent golf writers. He's a contributor to Masters.com. He's a senior writer for Global Golf Post, a digital magazine with a worldwide circulation of 2 million subscribers. He's run... Uh, published untold golf books, and uh, I always uh, we always enjoy the Nazawali Sports Hour taking advantage of his golf expertise. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, and I always enjoy uh, taking advantage of this time being with you guys uh, when we can, especially as we're talking about a major championship. Those yeah, it was fun weekends. Okay, so let's uh, let's get right to it because I'm sure if they haven't teed off yet, uh, we're in studio. We don't have it up on the screen, but uh, I'm sure I don't know if Jordan has uh, teed off yet, but it's going to happen if not shortly. And we're in the throes of the last round at the. Uh, at uh, what we on this side of the pond sometimes call the British Open, but they take exception to it on the other side of the pond because they just call it the Open Championship. Uh, uh, John, give us a little, give us a little bit of a summary. What, uh, what you, what your sense of what we can expect today? Well, I just watched uh, Spieth just bogey the first hole, and uh, Kutcher got a, a par. So Spieth's lead is down to two shots. Uh, Spieth had a great tee shot, and it got 
hung up in the rough and uh, a little unlucky and uh so um so it's back down to it's back down to two right now uh should be a wonderful day i mean you know those two were i think at this point they're uh six and uh and four shots clear of the rest of the field it looks like it's probably going to come down to those two today conditions look pretty benign there's a lot of sun they're both wearing just their uh, golf shirts there's no sweater vest there's no uh rain gear on or anything else so conditions look good for some scoring and it could be uh it should be a pretty great day with two really good guys and of course you know speed has got his two major championships he's had he's come close in a in the open championship in 15 at st andrews and of course with the masters at 16 and so he's been here before both uh succeeding and failing although I, I would hardly consider what he did at the british in uh 15 a failure but um cooch is still at 39 never won a major championship so uh we'll see how he handles his nerves today and it should be a great uh for us i guess morning <laughs> of golf because uh of the time change i can't wait to watch it uh want to focus in on um uh on the on the actual course royal burkdale and it's one of the uh one of the i think i think it's seven courses in the rotation i'm not exactly sure i think there's seven of them but it's it's one of the ones that's in the rotation and it gave up yesterday uh it gave up a 62 the lowest round ever in a major championship, uh, um, which I, I think perturbed Johnny Miller a little bit. Uh, uh, but Royal Burkdale, uh, if the wind isn't up and the, the weather isn't terrible, um, what, how, how does it defend against this caliber of golfer? Well, it's very hard for them, uh, for the course, to defend against them when – uh, conditions are benign. You know that, and I know that we've played a lot of links golf in our time. And uh, it, it just when it's when it's calm and and it's not blowing and and raining and and, and everything else, it can be. Uh, these courses can be had by the great golfers. And I'm not clear looking at it how whether it's blowing very hard or not on TV. But it, it looks to me like uh, I mean, Spieth has already had two sixty fives in three days and. It looks to me like it's it's set up and conditions are such it could be another uh, a day with some low rounds in it, and it's it's hard for it if they if they don't have the wind the weather and the wind is such a defense for them if they don't have it that's uh, that's a problem they do become a little vulnerable. John, I want you to analyze. Uh, I mean, we're gonna uh, in the next few hours or so. Uh, this is probably going to come down to the last three four holes. Um, analyze Royal Burkdale for us in the last three. Is this uh, are there birdie possibilities in the last three, four holes on this course? Yeah, there are. I mean, I, I've played. The, I've only played the course once. I've uh, I've uh, looked at it, so I love that part of the world. I think there are, and, and the reason being, as tough as uh, the golf course is, the weather being benign, yes, it's gettable. Also, what I found when I played there and when I've looked at it, it's uh, fairways, even though it's in the dunes itself, its fairways are pretty flat. And so players aren't hitting balls off of all these uneven lies or that usual sort of thing you find in some links golf courses uh, in the dunes and in the links land by the sea where you just never seem to have a flat lie. Well, at Brookdale, you do get them. So I think it's going to, I think there is scoring to be had in these last holes. And, and I think it can be gettable again, if you're not dealing with, uh, with really tough weather conditions, um, People can make birdie, as you saw Spieth yesterday, with that unbelievable birdie he had to close up on 18. Uh, they can most definitely do it. It, it, it can be had. 
In the British Open, you usually have somebody that's uh, relatively unknown that ends up on the leaderboard. And we have Austin Connolly, the Canadian. Do you know anything about him, John? You know, I don't know a thing about him. And, and <laughs> right. I've just been watching him a little bit this morning. And uh, he's just had a great uh, championship, hasn't he? And I, I watched him. I just saw a putt of his kind of rim out. And I saw another chip shot he hit and sort of rim out. So he's not getting a, a ton of luck right now. But it really is something to watch what he's been doing and how he's been performing so far in this tournament. Well, yeah, most of Canada just figured out who he was like yesterday or the day before. As it turns out, <laughs> yeah. uh, he actually uh, was raised in Austin, Texas. We're just we're just trying to figure out what his resume is. Uh, but apparently, he was raised in Austin, Texas. But he he has a Canadian uh, heritage. I think his father's Canadian, and he's got a Canadian passport. And he's actually chosen in his future uh, national endeavors to play for Canada, uh, probably because there's probably more opportunity up here. But uh, we're kind of shocked that we've got, uh, we've got a Canadian in the, in the, in the second-last group. So, uh, you know, we have a, we have a home, uh, home rooting interest on, in this one, and uh, uh, we're, just, we're all trying to figure out uh, who he is. So uh, it would be something incredible if they, were, if they raised the, 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 the red and white maple leaf after the round today. Well, it's funny because I was looking, you know, online after uh, the second round on Friday, and, and that uh, you know the Canadian Maple Leafs would have jumped right out at me when I saw him. I think he was a third or fourth placer, and I was just, gosh, I don't have no idea who this guy is. And it is interesting with the Open Championship, and one other reason why I like it so much is, oftentimes it's a, it's a tournament where an old timer, a Greg Norman or a Tom Watson, can make a run and do well because of just the way Lynx golf is, and and the distance is not quite as an advantage as it might be in other of the um, other major championships. And also you get kids that sort of show up. I remember a few years ago, Paul Dunn, you know, the Irish amateur was tied for the lead after 54 holes. Uh, I did a column on him earlier this year, and he still looks like he's about 16 years old. But, uh, you know, every now and again you'll get a kid like that too that will show up. And, um, you know, Brian Watt years ago in England, um, the, the Englishman who did the same thing, I think, at Burkdale, by the way, the same – you know, George, and you had, uh, of course, Justin Rose when he was a wee lad of 17 at Berkdale years ago. So it really is sort of fun to see this happen every now and again. And I think that's one thing about the Lynx golf. It really rewards the shot making. It doesn't know how long you are. It doesn't know how old you are or how young you are. And if you can control your distance on your on your shots and be accurate with them, um, you know, you've got a chance to really make some hay there, whether you're uh, you have a wealth of experience or not. We're talking to John Steinbrenner, senior writer for GlobalGolfPost.com. Uh, and, John, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, time has sure. uh, gone really quickly this morning, and uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. You're one of, uh, one of the preeminent golf writers. Uh, really, really quickly, tell us about some of the projects that you've got on the go that uh, maybe our listeners can keep an eye out for. Well, I was just over, and I think, well, you know, I chatted about this a while ago. I was just over in France for a couple of weeks. I, I covered the uh, the French Open, the HNA Open to France at, at Golf National, which is where they're going to hold the Ryder Cup next year. And that was huge fun to AC uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, win that tournament and play so well. And, and Tommy's, you know, not going to win the Open Championship, uh, unfortunately. But he's, uh, and I say unfortunately because he's from Southport where Burkdale is, and he grew up in that area. And it's really kind of a a neat story, but he's had a great year and somebody who's going to no doubt be on that Ryder Cup team. But I love seeing the golf course and the club where that tournament's going to be held. And um, it's a tough golf course. I played it the day after. It's long. It's hard. It's 
not something I think your average golfer is going to want to play more than once just because it is difficult, but the pros like it a lot, and it's going to be a hell of a venue for the Ryder Cup next year. It's got great, uh, a lot of uh, what they call buttes, a lot of mounds, a lot of viewing areas. It's very much a stadium-style course. And uh, so one of the things I just discovered on that trip was uh, the Ryder Cup is going to be a lot of fun. There may not be a Frenchman on the team, which is the dismay of the French uh, officials and the organizers, they'd love to see uh, you know, one of their countrymen get on the uh, European Ryder Cup team. It's not looking great right now, given how they're playing, but it should be a great venue and a great site for that uh, for those matches. So that that was a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful chance to get to see that. I really enjoyed it. Listen, John, um, we've uh, we've run out of our available time. We'll uh, we'll let you go. Uh, we've got a lot to catch up on in uh, in the coming months. Uh, so we'll certainly get you back as soon as we can. Anytime, my friends. All the best. Have a great uh, Open Championship Sunday. And, uh, enjoy. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. John Steinbretter, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to him. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Naz, just want to remind our listeners, it's that time. Call in. I'll give out the numbers. We have two packages for the Rogers Cup Tennis for Monday, August the 7th. Includes parking, two tickets, uh, great tickets. The preeminent women Tennis players in the world are into Toronto uh, this particular uh, year, and these packages are for Monday, August the 7th. These are the numbers. First two callers, if you get a line, just hang on. Our producer will get to you as soon as he can. The numbers are 416-360-0740, Really quickly, I'll give you those numbers again. These are great packages. Uh, they're, it's a great event. The Rogers Cup is just not a tennis tournament. It's an event up at the center, up at York University. I've been to it a few times. Uh, highly encourage you, get your finger on the phone and give us a call. We're giving those away. Thanks to our great people at Pizzaville, who are one of the sponsors of the tournament. They uh, donated a couple of packages to us. We'll have another couple of packages next Sunday as well. Once again, 416 Seven four zero four seven four zero. Yeah, the the board is exploding <laughs> with, with calls coming in. Yeah, it's almost uh, you know, it's almost like the Leafs are back in season. There's <laughs> two guys that have been trying since. Uh, there's two guys that have been trying since quarter well, after nine. You know I what? can see the the screen. They're they're great packages, and once again, my thanks to the good people at Pizzaville, Angela, uh, Stephanie, and Nella. Uh, you've been big supporters of our show. And thanks so much for making these available to our listeners. Naz, we have Wally. I want to talk about Adam Please. Hadwin. Please, we have golf on the let's round. go. We're on. We're on golf. Here's he. He shot, I think, an 82 in his second round. He yep. ended up uh, 12 over, over par. Ever since he got married, and he came back to play, he's played awful golf. Now, it's not because he got married, <laughs> but is it because? They're in such good sync when they're playing, right? When they're playing, they, yeah, they, uh, they're in good sync. And then they go off and then come back and can't get it back. And that's what it looks like golf, to me. Golf is, um, having played it, not at a competitive level. I yeah. won't suggest that I'm that good. But played it at a handicap level uh, and been passionate about the game since as long as I can remember, since I was caddying at the age of eight at Oakdale Golf and Country Club at Jane and Shepherd. Uh, golf, unless you're at the level of the superstars, I'm talking about the Jacks or the Tigers or the Gary Players or the Arnold Palmers, um, you'll always have these, it's a streaky game. 
and and sometimes you're on top of the world and you're playing well and everything's going great for a year, year and a half, two years. And then some guys are able to keep it at that level and um and some guys aren't. Um and 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 the ranks are if you you go down and watch the uh I don't even know what the tour's called nowadays. It's the web.com or whatever the one is below the nationwide, whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. I can't keep track of it anymore. Uh, but you see, you see that tours littered with all former players that used to be on the PGA. I mean, you remember a guy, Chris DeMarco, he went toe to toe with, uh, he went toe to toe with, uh, with Tiger and the masters and, you know, that. he yep. disappeared off the map yep. and it, and there's a fine line. There's an extremely fine line in golf between those guys who can, who can play in the top 20, 30, 40 in the world and those guys who are 500, 600, or so, there's not much difference between them. It, it, sometimes it's half a stroke over the course of average, over the course of... So Adam Hadwin's going through a streak. Uh, and just like Mike Weir went through a streak when he was on top of the world. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't last for most of them unless you're like a tiger. Like, look what happened to David Duval. Or, you know, who's the, the, the announcer on... Uh, on uh, oh, I can't even remember his he name. The Australian, could, yeah, he couldn't break eighty. Thing. He was yeah. guys winning the British Open, can't break eighty. Um, so you know it's tough. Naz, we got thirty seconds left. I will give you the last word. The last word is the Jays have to move a couple of players, and I, I think uh, Donaldson's going to be moved by the t- trade deadline. This hold, year. hold that thought. We'll follow up again with it next week. Listen, thanks so much. Nice to be back. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, and thank you for all those callers who called in, and uh, and we'll be giving away two more two more Rogers Cup packages next Sunday. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.